If you ever visited me in my study in Katy, you would notice some things hanging on the wall. On one wall, you'll find a lot of uh, degrees, certificates, certifications, and uh, different things like that. On the opposite wall, though, on the northeast wall, you would say, you'll find several items of church history and my personal history. And the first thing that you'd see if you just started looking from left to right on that wall is a framed page of uh, one of the first King James Bibles ever printed. It was printed in 1657, and it's a reminder to me of how people struggled and fought and died to be able to have a copy of God's Word in a language that they could read and have access to it. And so they can study it for themselves. Next to that, you'll find a map of the Holy Land that was printed around the same time as this Bible page. And uh, it's not only a reminder of a very dear friend of mine who gave this wonderful thing to me, but it also serves as a reminder of the uh, fact that the events recorded in the Bible really happened at actual places at specific times. Next in line is an autographed picture of Billy Sunday, the fiery evangelist. And it represents not just his dedication to God's call in his life and makes me reflect on my own, but it reminds me of all the many men and women that God has called to proclaim the good news through the centuries and in whose footsteps I can only follow humbly. Following that is one of those church plates. Do any of y'all have church plates at home? If you have a church plate, let's see your hand. Okay, yeah, we have a bunch of them because we've served a lot of churches that celebrated at one point in time their heritage by doing plates. So uh, the first one is a picture of MacMan's Chapel. And it reminds me of my family's rich Christian heritage here in Texas, which began while Texas was still a part of Mexico. But that being the case, it also reminds me that God doesn't have grandchildren. All he has are children. We don't get our faith by osmosis. It's not hereditary. We each one have to make that personal transaction with God and become his child. That's what Samuel Dope McMahon did so many, many years ago when he heard a, a preacher over in Louisiana and apparently the message stuck and he was riding along Aish Bayou in Texas. He got down off his horse and he got on his knees and he asked Jesus to be his Lord and Savior. And it says, it's, it's recorded in history that he was never the same after that. He was one of the most godly men you ever came across. 
and there was not one male. It's the history makes it clear. There was not one male in his household that was not converted from having to live there. Doesn't say anything about the females for some reason. It emphasizes the males. But uh, anyway, the last thing is another church plate with a picture of First United Methodist Church, Cleveland, Texas, on it. And that's where I grew up being nurtured in the Christian faith by many dear teachers and members. There are two other things that hang on different walls right as you come in the door. One is a plaque depicting Jesus as the great shepherd. And that was given to me by my brother-in-law, Larry McIntyre. And in this particular rendition, there's a little lamb pressed close against Jesus' right leg. And this lamb is the only black sheep in the flock. That's me. Every time I walk by it, I'm reminded of God's wonderful grace that took me into his fold when I didn't fit at all and I wasn't fit at all. Now, of course, as you look at that picture, you'll probably realize that that little black sheep is you. The last thing is uh, the little plaque that I've shown you before that the Lord sent moments after I cried out to him and asked him if he had forgotten me. It shows an outstretched hand and the inscription underneath that says, See, I haven't forgotten you. I've carved you in the palm of my hand. And then as you look, you see the nail print right there. He hasn't forgotten any of you either. He's carved you in the palm of his hand. He kept reminders of you because when he was hanging on that cross, there was a place there, not just for me, but for you personally. There's another thing that I've always had out for years since I received it that I realized last night as I was taking inventory of my wall that is missing, and I'm going to have to find it. There just wasn't a place for it whenever I was putting my study together, and I put it away. But it's a, a plaque that has a picture of Jesus. He's hanging on the cross. And on that plaque, it says, I asked Jesus, how much do you love me? And Jesus said, this much. And he stretched out his hands, and he died. That is a big reminder to me of not just the fact, again, that he personally loved me that much, but he also personally loved you that much. But also it reminds me, it was given to me by a lady I was counseling whenever I spent some time in a Christian counseling ministry and discovered and made sure that what I preach works. And this lady considered herself unlovable and unlovely and yet Jesus in a very miraculous way showed her just how beautiful she was to him right now reminders 
We need them from time to time to help us stay on track to remember whose we are and who we are, what we were and what we are, where we came from and where we're going, and who's with us as we make the trip. All those things on the wall, they're those sort of reminders. At the Last Supper, Jesus shared a meal with his disciples, and uh, then he led them in the ancient uh, ancient observance of uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, or Passover. As Jesus raised the bread and the cup in thanksgiving, he added new significance to this. Luke 22 that we read this morning records that Jesus told his disciples to do this in remembrance of me. Every month when we celebrate the Lord's Supper and other times as well, it's a reminder to us of whose we are, who he is, what the gospel's really all about. Jesus took this observance and he filled it with new meaning. The meaning of Jesus' words and actions is rooted in his uh, command to remember. And as today's disciples, we observe the Lord's Supper obediently remembering him, who he is and what he has done for us. Some churches refer to this as the Memorial Supper to highlight the significance of Jesus' atoning work on the cross and to call believers to remember his sacrificial death. Others call it communion to highlight the believer's intimacy with Christ and connection with each other through him. Whatever emphasis you place on it, it's a time to remember. It is a reminder. We're reminded, first of all, that there is historical significance to this meal. In the 12th chapter of Exodus, we see the final chapter of God's miraculous rescue from Israel from slavery in Egypt. The plague of the death of the firstborn. For the angel of the death passed over those houses who had the blood of the lamb on the lintel and the doorposts of the house. The family had to put the blood from a sacrificed lamb on the doorframe as they ate the Passover meal as the Lord prescribed. And this lamb and the meal of unleavened bread became abiding symbols of Israel's deliverance from bondage. Somebody has noticed that the doorposts are on either side. The little is across the top. And this is something when the Jews began to construct homes, they borrowed from the Egyptians. They had just mud huts, but they used stone doorposts and littles. And that is because in Egypt, I'm not going to go through all of it, but one of the things if you wanted to be remembered was your name 
had to be remembered and recorded. That's why uh, the, 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 the Egyptians lived in fairly temporary abodes, but they had stone lintels and doorposts while the kings or the pharaohs or whatever, they lived in stone things. And that marked eternal life. Somehow your eternal life was connected to your name not being forgotten and it being recorded. And so one of the things that the poor Egyptians could do, they would put their name on the little over the door. And that was to guarantee their eternal life. Well, when the Jews took on this particular custom, they put their names up there. In the night of the Passover, when they put the blood on the doorposts and the little, their name was covered in the blood of the Lamb. It's very personal. But also, there are three points. If you put the blood here and you put the blood here, and then you put the blood here and lower your hand, you have made the sign of the cross. And so the cross was present even back then during the Passover. So uh, there's historical significance. As Jesus' disciples heard his words, they'd have understood this significance, what they didn't fully understand until after the crucifixion and the resurrection, however, was the transformation of what had been a Jewish feast of remembrance into a new feast for remembering Jesus' atoning sacrifice. The God who acted in history to deliver his people Israel has also acted in history to deliver us. The elements used in the supper are not the real body and blood of Jesus, but are powerful reminders that Jesus really did suffer and die in a real historical time and place. What Jesus did centuries ago impacts our lives today and our eternity as well. We also remember the redemptive significance of what Jesus did. When John the Baptist saw Jesus approaching, he cried out, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. John established the reason for Jesus' coming as the fulfillment of what the Passover lamb could only foreshadow. In Exodus 12, the lamb was sacrificed for the deliverance of one family. At the cross, the lamb of God was sacrificed to deliver the whole world from the penalty of sin and death. The Passover lamb served as the substitute for the firstborn of Israel. But Jesus was our substitute at Calvary. Without the death of the lamb, and the spreading of its blood, the children of Israel would have suffered the judgment of God. Without the shedding of the blood of Jesus and his substitutionary death in our place, we would have no salvation. In his book, The Tale of the Tardy Ox Cart, Chuck Swindle relates the story of an eight-year-old Kenyan girl named Monica, she fell into a pit 
and broke her leg. Mama Neary, an older woman, seeing what happened, climbed into the pit to rescue Monica. But in that pit, a black mamba, the most poisonous snake in Africa, bit both Monica and Mommy Neary. Both ladies were rushed to a medical center. Monica improved and got well, but tragically, Mama Neary died. A nurse missionary explained to Monica that Mama Neary was bitten first and thus had received all of the mamba's poison. When the snake bit Monica, it had no poison left. And the nurse went on to explain that Jesus has similarly taken the poison of our sin so we can live. Monica could understand that and she received Jesus as her Lord and her Savior. People have many ideas about who Jesus is and why he came to earth. But Jesus himself said that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. When we gather around the Lord's table, the elements speak to us of his sacrifice, his dying in our place for our salvation. We celebrate our redemption in this remembrance. And it's also a very personal reminder. We need to remember that the Lord's Supper has extremely personal significance. In Luke twenty-two nineteen through 20, Jesus' words, This is my body given for you. This is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Jesus personalizes his statements by using the pronoun you. Jesus told his disciples that he was going to suffer for them. And you were included in that. He was going to die for them. And whenever he went and he died, he was also dying for you. It's as if we were there that evening when he handed out the bread and said, Becky, this is my body given for you. Sharon, Tom, Karen, Bill, Sue, Barbara, Jack, Clara, Louis, David, Karen, Bobby, Joe Beth. Kim. We were all present that evening in his heart as he gave himself away. They didn't take his life from him. He said, nobody takes it from me. He laid it down for you. He has reminders of us carved in the palm of his hand. And this is the reminder that he's left for us of how much he loves us. And so this morning we gather around the Lord's table and we remember in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.